There's a saying we've been saying around here, and and I know we're not quite into the new year yet, but I want to get you set up for that. There's a saying that we have around here um, that we say, we we say, if you want to have your best year, if you want to have your best year, like next year, I'm going to have my best year. If you want to have your best year, then you need to make it your best year spiritually. Like the decisions that you make, if you want to have your best possible year, then the decisions you need to make spiritually need to be the best decisions you've ever made. The reason we know that is because we know Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. You know, that's why so many people go buy self-help books and at the beginning of the year, they go put together all their goals and they set all their structures, but they leave God out of it. And most of those goals are never accomplished. But when people say, hey, this is going to be my goal, I'm going to make sure that I'm putting God first. I'm making sure spiritually what I do, I'm seeking him first. And the scripture says, hey, the good news is with that, God gets to then step in and add in everything that you need. I mean, that's a good way to do 2024. Amen. And so that's what we're going to kind of help you do is, is, hey, how can you start the year with your best year spiritually? Uh, this happens to us all the time. Like getting off to a bad start is the worst. Have you ever just had like the worst day, the worst morning, right? You just, you just, you're going through your day and all of a sudden you realize like, man, this day has been so hard. And then you say to yourself, you'll literally say this, man, I just got off to a bad start. I just got off to a, like starting really matters. So I think there's a lot of people that they don't put much into like the new year or the new time. They just think, hey, it's just a, it's another day. It's a new month. It's a new year. But you're going to see this today and you're going to see next week that God really honors what we do with our first. Like heaven actually gives an account and pays attention to what his people do with their first. And we'll get into that more next week and and in our new series. But I'm just here to say, if you want to have your best year, let's make it our best year spiritually. I think many people made a lot of bad decisions last year. I think if you look at your life and you go, hey man, I think I kind of got into this situation because I made bad decisions. So I want to help you make some better decisions next year. Many of you made this bad decision last year and you did this right here. You put pineapple on your pizza. It's a bad decision. Next year, you're going to make a better decision. Pickle pizza. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. You see, like, you see, like, the, I can see, like the scripture talks about how you're going to be hated for the truth that you believe. And, and I, I can hear from you that you guys are those people. Some of you, I really got to clear this one up. You've been making a bad decision for years, generationally. You're the under people, like the under people. There are a lot of great churches in town. You should find one of them. If you're an under people, make a better decision next year and do it right. Can we just do it right next year? Make a better decision. And then some of you, are you have a cat some of you have a cat you've made you've made this decision you have a cat and next year you're going to make a better decision you're going to get two cats because i'm a cat person now i am yeah give it a everybody's growing faith to faith i'm a cat person now and uh and so obviously i'm kidding i'm kidding about these but i want to let you in like like the purpose of the church and i could get into a lot of scripture uh, but the purpose of the church, I would kind of boil down to, there's a lot of things. It's, it's adoration and giving worship to God. But, but the role of like the church and a pastor, I would boil down to one thing. You know, the scripture talks about, it's, it's my job to equip you. It didn't say it's my job to entertain you. Now, as you know, anyone who knows me, I love to have a good time. I love to make jokes. Like I'm a highly relational person. And so I think that is need to be a part of how we have fellowship together. But the scripture says it's my job to equip you. 
to go do the work of the ministry, to go live the way God's called you to. And so the function of a church is not for us as a staff to create activity for you. The function of the church is for us to create spiritual formation pathways for you. And so all these things I'm about to roll out over the next kind of 10 minutes and into the next couple weeks, these aren't ways where like the staff sat around and I went to God and prayed and it's like, hey God, we got to come up with some entertainment. We got to come up with some ways to keep these people busy and entertained. No, this is our heart cry of saying like, hey, we believe these are the spiritual formation tools that God has called us to walk in so that we can build his kingdom and advance what God's called us to do. Amen. So these next couple of things I want to share with you, they aren't entertainment. These are, these are us saying, hey, God, God's calling us into these as a church, as personal believers, as people who love God and follow Jesus. These are some things that we believe God is calling us to step into. So it's practical, but I want to kind of let you know what the things are that we're stepping into in the next couple of weeks. The first thing you'll notice is uh, we're launching. We do it every single year. We have a read through the Bible in a year plan. And one thing you could do right now, if you'd like, you could scan that QR code and it will pull you into, if you have this app, it will pull you into the Version Bible app. And I don't want you to get bored. I don't want this to be like an infomercial to you. Uh, I've had so many people come to us and say, Pastor, I'm 45 years old. This is the first time I've ever read through the Bible in a year. Or I'm this, and it, it's changed my life. It's done this for me. It's helped me with it. So again, this isn't entertainment. This is spiritual formation stuff that's going to help you in a huge way. Amen. Because if you want to have your best year, Let's have our best year spiritually. Amen. So you can scan that. And then what you're going to find out in there is we've put together a plan for you. You'll see that vertical church is a church that you can follow inside the Version app. And then you'll see that plan is right there for you. And you can just begin to subscribe to that, follow along. What's awesome about this read through a Bible in a year plan is it also comes with some Bible project videos. So some things that are going to give you additional teachings and things like that. And um, we encourage you, jump into that. Begin to devour that. How many know we're living in a time, in an hour, where God's truth, absolute truth, is something you need in your life every single day? Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like there are a lot of people out there twisting truth, <laughs> bending truth. Uh, there's even referees out there not playing fair anymore. It's like, this is... <laughs> But truth, like it matters, God's truth in our life is the most important thing you can have in your life. So when I even say something like, so let's make the sacrifice this year and read through the Bible in a year, even using that word sacrifice is kind of like ridiculous. It's like, hey, let's make sure we're surviving. Let's make sure we're getting the word, the truth, the wholeness that we need from God. Amen. Amen. And so if you haven't, you know, download that Version Bible app. It can go right in your phone, your iPad, you open it up. It, you can search Vertical Church. If you can't do the QR, just search Vertical Church. Uh, you'll find us right there and um, you can follow along. And there's different things that you can do that we'll get into later, but you can add friends and, 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 and connect and see where people are and reading and different things like that. But encourage you to be a huge, huge part of that. It's going to make us uh, live out a great year next year. Another thing that we do every single year as a church is we commit to 21 days of prayer and fasting. You might be sitting here right now and be like, you guys are extreme. We're going to talk about it more in upcoming weeks. But you know, Jesus himself said this. He said, and when you fast, ooh, that means all of us. No, no, just those weirdo crazy Christians. Those are the weirdos that go on fast. Now, Jesus himself said like, when you fast, because he calls us into lifestyles of prayer and fasting. And so every single year, uh, we as a church at the beginning of the year, because we believe that powerful things happen when we give God our first, 
uh, we launch into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so we call it seek because we're doing this. We're seeking him first. And, uh, and so every single year, now that kicks off next week. So, so those of you that are like technical about it, like when do we start fasting? We start fasting next Sunday. Now that's up to you. You can decide maybe you still want to have a breakfast that morning or whatever you want to do. And um, we're going to get to the next part here. There's a guide. You get to choose how you're going to fast. We'll get into that in a minute and talk about it more next week. But for those of you that are very specific, it kicks off next week, but we're letting you, we're letting God tell you how to go about your fasting. And so 21 days of prayer and fasting kicks off next week. There's one thing that we have for you is a guide. You might be sitting here being like, that sounds amazing, pastor. And from what you're telling me, it sounds like it's in the Bible and it's powerful, but how in the world do you do it? Well, we've created something for you. Again, if you scan this guide, and all this can be found on the website. It can all be found in the church app. If you don't feel like scanning today, uh, you can find it later. But this is a 21 days of prayer and fasting guide. You may be in here and be like, well, what should I fast? How do I fast? How do I safely fast? Like all of the different things we've put together in there for you. And uh, it also gives you uh, a 21 day uh, prayer and fasting like guide to follow. So we got some studies for you to do during these 21 days because I mean, you know, there's a lot of power when God's people are in unity. Can I get an amen? I told you it'd be a little bit uh, informational and sort of commercial, but think about this. When God's people say, hey, you know what we're going to do at the start of the year? We're not just giving up Taco Bell. Instead, we're going to come together for 21 days. We're going to be praying the same things, fasting. We're going to be worshiping. We're going to be reading the scripture. I mean, you know, in scripture, at one point God looked down and said, hey, uh, these people right here, nothing would have stopped them because they were so much in unity. Wouldn't that be awesome if that's what's said about Vertical Church? Hey, there's nothing that can stop these people because look at their unity. Are you with me today? And so go on there and uh, download the guide. Find out your information. Decide how to pray. Some people, they'll fast a certain thing for seven days. They'll fast another thing for seven days and they'll fast another thing. Whatever you feel like God is calling you to. And again, I'll help you with this next week. We'll talk about it a little bit more. But I encourage you to do something, especially if you've never done anything before. Um, jump into it this year. It's going to change your life. Amen. And then another thing, uh, I'm just so, uh, it's funny, I was actually in a little bit of a situation. It's our 10-year anniversary coming up in a couple weeks as a church. Give it up to God for that. So typical, like typical, and it's not that we're not going to celebrate. We have some things planned, but you know, typical people would be like, oh, your whole, your whole month of programming needs to be celebrating 10 years and testimonies and giveaways and balloons and confetti and clowns. And I'm like, I, that's... Yeah, no clowns. Okay, all right. <laughs> Cancel the clowns, Cody. <laughs> but there was like all this like pressure of like, oh, you got to do all this big thing. And I just kept having in my heart, no, you know what we want to do this year? We want to press in more to seek yeah. and pursue God. And all those things are good. I'm not against like testimony and celebrating. We're going to do those things and they're going to be amazing. But I just kept going like, guys, you know what? I, I want to dig in more. And so we've done prayer and fasting every single year, but this year I really felt compelled to add to it. We have a free book for everybody who wants one. The only rule that we have on this is like, don't take the book if you're not going to read it. I don't want to kind of waste the cost if it's just going to go home and you're not going to use it. But Pastor Craig Rochelle has this book called Dangerous Prayers. A great book, incredible pastor, leads one of the largest churches in America. And um, this book I want to give to you for free. This is how much I'm like, hey, in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we want this to be our best year spiritually. Um, let's really dive in. And uh, this book is free to you next week. If you come back next week, we'll have this for you. So it'll be in the hallway. But want to combine that. Now you're probably sitting here going, pastor, you're having me fast. 
You're having me read through the Bible in a year. You're having me do a 21-day prayer guide. Okay, and now you just gave me a book to read. And guess how bad I feel about that? Zero. Because they say the average American spends 46 hours a week on entertainment. I feel like you could probably make it work in a week. I feel like you could probably make it work in a week. And I'm pointing to myself as well. We, we got room for this. Can I get an amen today? And then another very special thing that we're doing in this 21 days of prayer and fasting is uh, we are adding three what we're calling upper room sessions. So on Friday nights up in our second floor sanctuary, we've cleared the tables out of that room. We're going to be setting up a, a little stage in that space. And, and for about an hour or whatever the God, God leads, we're going to be getting into a time of worship. We'll have the band up there. We're going to be going after it. We're going to just be soaking in his presence and praying and seeking God. And we're going to be lining up some of our, our prayer people to go in there and pray and lead us through different scriptures. And so it's going to be a time where we're truly doing what God has called us to do, which is seek him. Just move things aside, push stuff all out of the way and come together and seek him. How many know it's going to be powerful? And um, I hope we can contain it in the second floor, but I also hope that we can. Amen. And so that will be happening every Friday night during our prayer and fasting. And then we will end it our prayer and fasting like we do every single year with a large corporate night of worship, a night of worship where we come together and just worship and end that and then break the fast. And so how many of you know, we are set up to see God move powerfully as we seek him. Amen. Amen. And so there's a lot of decisions we can make. And I'm going to jump into the text here for the next 10 minutes. There is a lot of decisions that you can make. And, and this year, you're going to make those decisions. You're going to make decisions about work. You're going to make decisions about your kids. You're going to make decisions about your finances. And oh man, we're so lucky. We're even going to make decisions about who we get to vote for this year. <laughs> Love election year. We got all these decisions we get to make. What we're going to post on Facebook, what we're going to post and do all that. We have all these decisions we're going to make. And one of the lies that we believe is we believe that some decisions are spiritual and some decisions are just regular life. And so we go like, oh, what I do at work, that's like my work decisions. What I do at church, those are my spiritual life decisions. Do you know that if you went up to Jesus and you were like, hey, um, tell me about your spiritual life. He'd be like, what are you talking about? Because Jesus understood everything is spiritual. So I kind of even contradict myself a little bit when I said, if you want this year to be your best year, make it your best year spiritually. I mean that by also saying every decision we make is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Everything has a spiritual impact. And there's one character we can see in scripture who understood this more than anybody. Every lens and every filter he looked at when he looked at scenarios, he looked at it not as what was happening in flesh and blood. He looked at what was happening. Wait a second. This is spiritual because everything is spiritual. Let's take a look at David here a minute. First Samuel chapter 17, verse four and five. This, of course, we know that David has now shown up. Um, his dad tells him, hey, go down to the battle. Your brothers are at battle. And Goliath has now presented himself there. David is not a fighter, although we know in scripture later he's led armies. But at this time, he's just a shepherd boy who shot his BB gun at some animals in a field. Okay, And so David shows up on the scene here. And it says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubics and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. You already missed it. In the Jewish mind, a Hebrew mind, they would have been looking at the appearance of Goliath and would have been like, what is he trying to say here? 
Well, if you read on, you would see that Goliath's measurements were 666, the number 666. So he shows up on the scene, 666, and then the scripture says right there that the armor that he was wearing was made to look as if it had scales. Well, how many know the serpent showed up in the garden? So David's mind, because he sees everything as he should, everything is spiritual. So the scripture says, like, here's this guy who's, who's showing up and, and he's loud and he's aggressive and he's wearing the enemy's jersey, right? 666, he's wearing the scales. So David begins to go, what's going on with this guy? In verse 10, that guy makes it clear what's going on. In verse 10, it says, then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Jumping down to verse 26, David asked those standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The writers say David was very irritated, very irritated. One writer says it this way, that he recognized the battle and could not turn away. We know later in the story that David didn't even have armor. It's not like he snuck into this one like, oh boy, I showed up right place, right time. I got all my gear. Who is this guy? He was totally unprepared. Yet he was completely unwilling to walk away from the spiritual battle that was put in front of him. Because he, w- he understood what? Everything is spiritual. If we just let this guy have his way, everything changes. Are you with me today? I thought about it like this. That's why it's so important for us to be the people who realize that everything is spiritual. And that's why you can't just hide behind the TV. But the kids are going crazy. And my teenagers are tempted with this. And this is going on in my marriage. And this is going on over here. I'm just going to hide out behind the TV. I'm just going to keep myself way too busy at work so that I don't have to deal with that. Am I telling the truth today? No, David is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everything is spiritual. And if I don't fix this, then it's going to lead to this. And I'm going to forfeit this authority. And I'm going to forfeit this victory. And everything is spiritual. So I can't just let myself veg out. Are you with me today? And that's why I'm going to decide to pray and fast and give up some things because everything is spiritual. And I want to put him first so that God can put everything in order. Are you with me today? That's what David understood. But we make excuses like, no, you know what? It's okay. They'll grow out of it. Every teenager has to go through it. Instead, every parent should be like, no, this is spiritual and I'm going to handle it. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. David knew it was more than flesh and blood. Yeah. It was a spiritual battle. It was good versus evil. That's why Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says it this way. Finally then, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Can I tell you the devil is still scheming today? Yeah. Can I tell you something that you're not going to want to hear? Guess what? The devil has a scheme for January 1 tomorrow. And January 2 and January 3. He's got a scheme for every day. Are you with me today? And the scripture tells us we have to be able to take a stand against those. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. I believe this, guys. We're still at war in heavenly realms. We must take our stand. 21 days of prayer and fasting is not church activities. It's God's people preparing to take their stand. And I'm asking you to all be a part of it. I thought about it like this. The real issues are not issues of flesh and blood. The real issues are not what maybe the media might try to tell you. 
It's not about colors of skin. It's about, not about sexual identities. It's not about the flesh and blood issues. It's about the war of good and evil. And we have to know where God calls us to stand. Even the issues in our homes, some of the fights we get into in our marriages or with our kids, those issues aren't issues of household cleanliness. Can I get an amen? They aren't issues of curfews and keeping up with what parents ask to do and not ask to do. They're issues of flesh and blood. They're not issues of flesh and blood. They're flesh of what the enemy is trying to do in our homes to disrupt and to disunify. So the real issues are schemes of the enemies that try to defy the army of God. We need to take our stand. That's why Romans 12, 21 says this way, and this should be our motto of next year. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do we overcome it? Saying don't, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you overcome evil with good? It's when we do things like prayer and fasting. So when we come together and we say, God, we're going to pursue you and we want you to give us what you have so that we can give it to our communities. That's why we're going to show up at the upper room sessions and we're going to pray and we're going to worship and we're going to overcome evil with our prayers. Are you with me? And we're going to see that good spread into our communities. If David would not have fought, there would have been two losses that day. There would have been the loss of his people and their freedom and there would have been the loss of spiritual territory against God's people. And God created you for this battle. That's why we battle weird things. God's like, I made you to be in this battle. I made you to be able to stand up and fight. That's why I created you this way. We just do it in weird ways. When we're not in the battle that God's called us to, we find other ways to battle. We scream at TVs during football games. Why do we do that? Why do we get so upset? Because we got robbed, but... Why do we do that? It's because there's, there's a wiring inside you to be somebody who goes and fights and battles. Why do you think the enemy's done such a good job creating endless video games? When I was a kid, we played Super Mario, and there was eventually a time where you jumped on the last flag, and it was game over. Now these kids play video games where they're constantly, endlessly leveling up. Why? Because they're wired to fight and battle and achieve. They're just doing it in the wrong way. Are you with me today? Because everything is spiritual. I'll close with this. Um, David, again, continues to point out how much he sees the significance of the spiritual going on around him. Scripture tells us he has this best friend, Jonathan. In 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 20, the writer even points out how much more David sees the significance of the spiritual relationship. I'll show you it. First Samuel chapter 20, verse 41, it says this. Uh, they're, they're getting ready to leave each other. Jonathan and David, they're just best friends. Um, they're called to be together spiritually. They're gone through all these spiritual triumphs. The scripture says they're getting ready to leave each other. The scripture says, after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. The scripture says they kissed each other and wept together. But look at the last part. The writer says, but David wept the most. But David wept the most. It's interesting here. They're leaving, they're separating, but David here seems to be like just the most uh about it. He's the one down at the fight who's like, I can't walk away from this. I can't turn away from this. I gotta be in this the most. I'm very irritated that nobody's doing it. He's like in it the most because he realized the spiritual significance. In this relationship, the writer points out that David was like in it the most. Why was he in it the most? Because he realized the spiritual significance of this great relationship that God had put together. 
It's like he's this guy who's like, no, no, I see the spiritual. I see it at the most, and, and, and it means so much to him. Uh, I thought about it like this. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we know this, that there comes a time where David was worshiping in the street. The scripture says that... Um, kind of weird things with David here, right? But the scripture says that he's before all the people, he's down on Main Street and he's worshiping so extravagantly. Scripture says that that he took off all his clothes and he's worshiping the most and everybody's so mad at him for the way that he's worshiping. But maybe it's because David understood that everything is spiritual and in our worship, we're called to give God the most, our best, our everything. And so David, again, points out, like in my worship, everything we do is spiritual. I need to make sure I hold nothing back. Are you understand what I'm saying today? In my friendships, in my relationship, I'm going to hold nothing back because everything is spiritual. And this is so valuable. And when it comes to battle, I'm going to hold nothing back. And I'm not going to shy back because everything is spiritual. Are you with me? And so that's how I want us to head into the new year. Is to be the people who go, whoa, it's way more than just flesh and blood decisions. It's way more than like our calendar and our bank accounts. All of this is actually spiritual. And let's not downplay it and disregard it. Let's hold it to the high value that it is. Because God said when we seek him and put him first, everything we need gets added unto us. Amen? We'll talk about it more next week in the upcoming weeks. But I believe we're going to have our best year ever because we're going to have our best year ever spiritually. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you lead us and how you love us. And God, I know that there's a lot before us that we're probably trying to figure out how to do. But God, I thank you that your word says that you can make ways when there seems to be no way. Lord, I thank you that there may be people in this room saying, well, my odds are impossible. But God, I thank you that you're the way maker, the miracle worker. And as we put you first, Lord, I thank you everything we need will be added unto us. We ask that you bless it and lead us and guide us in it. In Jesus' name, amen.